Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am down here in Dallas one more day. It is the morning after the red carpet premiere for Nefarious. We'll have plenty of discussion and coverage about that later in the show. Billy Hallowell uh, was working at the red carpet doing uh, interviews for the Christian Broadcasting uh, or for Christian Broadcasting News, CBN, or Christian Broadcasting Network, I should say. Uh, he'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour, get his review of the movie as well. Next hour, you'll hear from the writers and directors uh, of the film. Uh, Chuck Consulman and Carrie Solomon, they will be here with us uh, in studio, and uh, we'll have a ton of discussion of the red carpet and who was there and the reaction. We will, we will get to all of that, um, and, and most of the show will be about that, because last night is, you know, one of the greatest events I've had a chance to be a part of in my life that didn't involve like a marriage or the birth of a kid. I mean, it was just a a fantastic event. Uh, We had almost 500 people show up. Uh, The reaction was incredible. Beforehand, I got word uh, from the theaters that are giving us the information, by the way, that we are greatly outpacing our competition uh, for uh, pre-sales on April the 14th. The new movies that are, five movies are opening now. Remember that day, we're one of them. Originally, it was just gonna be two, now it's five. Uh, we're, we're blowing everybody else out of the water when it comes to pre-sales. And that's all you guys. So please keep getting your tickets at nefariousTickets.com. NefariousTickets.com. It is making a difference. Uh, I was told just last night we added something like 20 some odd more theaters uh, just last night actually, uh, in reaction to some of uh, these numbers that people are saying. So thank you very much. Uh, You guys, I promise you um, that the movie will reward your faith in it. And we'll talk more about that, though, as the show goes on. Todd and Aaron back there in Des Moines, if you guys don't mind, there's a couple of major events happening that I know people want us to discuss. So if you guys are okay with it, let's get to it. You guys all right with that? Dig in. Let's go. Let's go. What Let's happened go while right we were away, Rashi by Wisconsin is off the table. Last night, Wisconsin Supreme Court election went down and liberal Milwaukee County Judge Janet Protasiewicz crushed her more conservative opponent, Dan Kelly, 55 to 44. This means all manner of issues are back on the table in Wisconsin, including that state's ban on baby killing and voter ID laws, as well as greenlighting ballot harvesting. Whoa, here's that super cool Trump mugshot T-shirt. Only 36 bucks. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Donald Trump. Trump was arraigned in New York City yesterday on 34 felony counts of falsifying business records to conceal another crime, though that crime is never mentioned. Each felony listed is exactly the same, with the date changed for each count. Trump was in Mar-a-Lago last night, where he gave uh, an address to a crowd of supporters. They want to settle the case, but I want no part of that. The Biden administration announced another $2.6 billion worth of weapons and equipment to Ukraine. This comes as news of Finland's official entrance into NATO dropped yesterday. In the wake of Billboard Chris getting beat by a tranny in Vancouver right in front of police over the weekend, Canadian politician Kristen Wong Tam proposed legislation yesterday that would create a form of Sharia law, let's call it dysphoria law, in and around pro-mental illness rallies in the country of Canada. Firstly, it enables the Attorney General to create a 2 as LGBTQI plus 
community safety zone to prohibit within 100 meters of the property any homophobic, transphobic act of intimidation, threat, offensive threats, offensive remarks, protest, disturbance, and distribution of hate propaganda within the meaning of the uh, criminal code. It also comes with it a penalty of $25,000 if prosecuted successfully. Here are a few items of good news. Idaho Governor Brad Little finally signed a law passed in that state's legislature that bans beatball surgery and chemical castration for kids. A similar bill just passed the Florida Senate and now heads to the House. In Iowa, that state's House passed a bill that severely restricts teachers' abilities in schools to preach about topics related to the rainbow jihad. The bill previously passed the state Senate last month and was originally Governor Kim Reynolds' brainchild. And finally, this. Hey, yo, yo, this is day 100 of me being a boy. And listen to this, bro. Today I'm going to the doctor to get checked for prostate cancer. Now I see you guys all up in my comments, all you cis men, saying I'm making a mockery of men or I'm trying to erase men and I don't even have a prostate. I mean, what's with all the hate, man? This doesn't even affect you. This is my life. Leave me alone. Dudes. <sighs> There's no need to feel threatened. Us trans men and you cis men, we can work together to uphold the patriarchy. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Bonner Private Wines. The outstanding red wines grown from Malbec grapes, about 9,000 feet of altitude, deep in the Andes Mountains. Uh, they are absolutely delicious. Just ask Todd. He uh, drinks them by the bottle. Uh, full. Uh, and you now can take advantage of these. If you haven't yet, they've made the deal even better. Uh, they have the bonus bottle of small batch limited production wine from their exclusive wine cellar. So you get uh, four bottles now for 50% off instead of three. Four bottles for 50% off. But now they've sweetened the pot. It used to be half off the shipping. Now the shipping is free. How about imported foreign wines that are excellent and you don't pay the shipping freight? You can't beat that. All right. So half off the wines. The shipping is free. When you go to BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve, that's BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve. Since we are having a bit of a different Wednesday format, no Daniel Horowitz this week, Buy, Seller, Hold will be in the overtime today for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash days. Go there to subscribe now so you don't miss it at blazetv.com slash days. All right, there's uh, these these two stories that are, are at the top of Aaron's montage are actually interrelated. And I'm, I want to spend the bulk of our time here in this segment uh, discussing them and their importance. First and foremost, I didn't have time yesterday uh, with the premiere uh, to get to, to the indictment and read it myself and go through it. So I thought, you know, let me go to a friend of mine uh, who is a very accomplished criminal defense attorney, uh, very well respected um, and well known in his community. Uh, he's in a blue state, in the bluest part of that state. Like, and he's a hardcore right winger. So that, that kind of gives you an idea of where he is at, that he is, he's in a place that is so blue, the criminal defense attorneys are the right wingers. All right. So this is what he does every day. And I asked him, hey, can you take a break from your full caseload and, and, and do us a solid here on the Steve Day Show? And just read through the indictment and, as a criminal defense attorney and give us your cursory analysis. I'm just going to read to you the, what he tweeted to, or texted to me this morning. The indictment only needs to be enough information to provide fair notice of the charges, so it's sparse, but sufficient to establish the elements of the counts. The discovery will obviously be key to determining the defenses. 
the language of the statute elevating the crime of falsifying records to a felony. Quote, when his intent to defraud includes an intent to commit another crime or to aid or conceal the commission thereof, end quote, is interesting on a few levels. First, the repeated course of conduct uh, or payments spread out over time and from different sources can, by itself, be argued to reflect an intent to conceal. Meaning, what would be the other reason you'd be funneling funneling this through different channels? Second, and more importantly, quote, another crime, end quote, is broad and without doing research on this specifically. I don't know that it would really matter if the other crimes were federal. I don't know if that would knock out state jurisdiction. Could a state prosecution be held for a New York business owner trying to thwart federal laws on, say, immigrations or taxes be permissible? I'm thinking, yes, if that intent could be demonstrated. This gets murky, however, when you're talking about federal election laws. I have no idea what records are subject for review under those laws. The statement issued by the prosecutor is damaging, if true, um, on the Cohen payments claimed under a retainer that wasn't, especially when many were made in 2017 while he was in office and purportedly labeled for legal expenses under a retainer. I think they're laying out a decent case for the second-degree misdemeanor falsification of records. The weakness in the case on a quick review is the claims that he was trying to avoid, quote, looking bad, end quote. So what? That's not a crime, in my view. I don't practice federal cases, but to me, it's all going to be about intent to fraudulently mask records that would otherwise be subject to federal campaign disclosures to prevent, camp- or to prevent discovery of their actual purpose or if they violated the campaign laws themselves. And if true, my two cents opinion is that would not have to be something that could only be prosecuted in federal court. So that is from someone who does this every day and is very very successful criminal defense i'm not going to go into any further analysis of what my buddy wrote me there or ask todd and aaron to give their take because it's completely i i, I did i did it for you it's the professional thing to do in my in my place to to try to get a, a professional legal opinion on this and I, I want to th- thank my buddy for doing it uh, as a last-minute favor to me. I, I just wanted to make sure that, that we provided some of that for you here on the show. And now I will quote the great prophet, The Rock. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This isn't a legal case. It's a political one. We are not a nation of laws, and we never have been. We're a nation of political will. And we always will be. Here's the case. I'm going to lay it out for you right now. Point blank. In 2020, 12% of Manhattan voted for Donald Trump. 12. 12. 12%. It is from that pool of people that this grand jury was assembled. They could have, they could, Stormy Daniels could have walked in and said, I did not have sex with that orange man, Donald Trump. I never took money to lie, not a single time. Waved a bony finger, in fact. Wouldn't have mattered. They were indicting. Period. Similarly, much of the legal analysis that you are watching on cable news right now or reading about in the blogosphere, I think is completely and totally irrelevant, including the legal analysis, which I'm sure is excellent knowing the individual who gave it to me, that I read you. I only did it and asked for it because it's the responsible thing to do. And some of you may be intellectually curious, and I was. But this isn't a legal proceeding. It's a political one. 
And it's from that same 12% of people, that's it, in Manhattan that voted for Trump, that the grand jury was assembled, that the criminal jury will be assembled as well. They are going to convict him. I'd be stunned. It would take the same kind of act of God that allowed Donald Trump to win by a total of 78,000, not in each state, a total of 78,000 votes in four states. It would take that level of an act to avoid a conviction here. The conviction's already cooked. It's already happening. And everything that they discuss here legally from this time forward, I believe, is really positioning for a future appellate court to step in and, and provide some sanity here. You have to remember also, we have been dealing with a political op opponent here that has for a generation been practicing the following stratagem. Screw the Constitution, screw the law, do whatever we want to these people and just dare them to go find a court later on to overturn it. That's been their strategy. Knowingly doing things. Barack Obama was the victim of more unanimous decisions against him in the history by by one supreme court in the history of the u.s presidency no president had more unanimous decisions go against him before the supreme court than barack obama did didn't matter just keep doing it but not out of ink phone still connected got a pen and a phone keep rolling roll tide i mean this is this is this is a movement we're not we're an industry and so because of that donald trump wouldn't take the offer from Ron DeSantis, and then dare Republican governors around the country to say, emulate that and defend me. Defend your leader. Put, put yourself on the record. By God, if we're going to have a, a hero cult, let's actually have one. I'm in favor of a hero cult, actually. This isn't one. This is just a grift. It's just, let's sell t-shirts, raise money off boomer grandmothers. Buy less Benson and Hedges as you're, as you're putting down your last pack of cancer sticks in the nursing home. Give it to Trump instead. That's what we're doing now. Let's have a real hero cult. Let's put everybody on the line. All right, I got Junior, the Junior, uh, down, my Junior down here in Florida. He's got my back. What about you, McMaster in South Carolina? You, Reynolds in Iowa? Let's put them everybody on the record. All, what is it, 28, 29 Republican governors? I'm coming to your state with a rally. Dare you to turn me over to be extradited. Let's find out what everybody thinks. Let's, I'm, that's, now, that's a loyalty test I can get behind. Because now, your self-interest and my self-interest align. I want to push back on this. I, I, want to, I, want to, I want to punish it. I want to show we do not accept the premise of this. And we will defend our people. Instead, we're going to sell t-shirts. And we're going to raise money. Folks, I, I think you, would, any polling you're looking at for the 2024 Republican primary, throw it in the trash. You don't know right now Donald Trump will be on a ballot. This is just the first one. There's like four more of these, I believe. And they're all going to indict him. They're all going to charge him. I think you should consider that there will be states in this country that he can't get on the ballot. And so therefore would even have enough delegates at the end of the primary to win the nomination. Stuff like that. Gag orders in multiple states. Which could then be construed to when he starts riffing at his at his rallies, did he violate that gag order? Well, now he's in contempt of court, so let's go ahead and, and let's nab him. He violated the gag order. He's in contempt. And there are some of you acting like this is a new day. No, it's not. Ask the Trump supporters that were nonviolent and have been sitting to rot and left to rot in jail cells for the last three years with no 
jurisprudence, no habeas corpus, just indefinitely detained like they're in Pyongyang. The social compact is broken, and I cannot think of a better encapsulation. It, it's like all we're doing to now, what, it's like every day, it's like, what's the microcosm for the era today? We're just getting summations, summary judgments of this era of America. Every day, we're just getting summary judgments. That's a microcosm, that's a microcosm, that's a microcosm. Here's one. This morning, many of you got up and you were, sung, you were given the siren song of, and gave a lot of clicks and made a lot of money for people who told you that this will lead to Donald Trump getting a landslide election in 2024. And, that, and they told you that the morning after a must-win state known as Wisconsin put a George Soros acolyte on the state Supreme Court by popular vote. By popular vote. They voted for it. I'm sorry, that's not reality. It's just not. And I can't think of, I mean, today's microcosm. Today's microcosm of the last generation of America's political duopoly. Democrats put an open communist on the state Supreme Court in a swing state that we have to win. Republicans are going to sell t-shirts. I, I just, there you go. I, that, that's the whole damn thing right there. Okay. I, I, there may never be a better microcosm than that. George Ukraine Soros now controls the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. By the way, the first state to actually reopen during COVID was Wisconsin. And it did so by state Supreme Court decree. That won't be the case moving forward. So George Ukraine Soros controls the Wisconsin State Supreme Court, a must-win swing state. But we're going to sell t-shirts. It doesn't get any it doesn't get any clearer than that. That's the predicament that we are in. And hell man, I don't care if the dude sells 10 million t-shirts and keeps all the money himself and never reports it to the IRS. If we're actually fighting back. But we're not. Because he's not a disruptor of the system. He's a disruptor of norms. He's a disruptor of decorum. Those are different things. But since the right largely exists in a mediascape and not in actual muscle on the ground in the culture war, the right largely exists in memes, largely exists in uh, talking points and not in outcomes. Hell, we used to care about elections. Now we don't even care about those. The last, since, since Trump won in 2016 by the greatest, thinnest of margins and miracles, Republicans are a net minus eight in governors, minus three in senators, minus 22 in congressmen. And so what's everybody's plan? Rerun everybody that's already just lost the last few elections. Just run them all back. That's the, that's the master plan. And if you think that's a, that's a crap plan, a turd plan, you just hate America, Steve. All right, man. YOLO. Do what you got to do. Clearly, the political system is not a successful way to fight the culture war. So I guess I'll just do something different. Maybe we'll make a movie, try something, another tactic to reach people. Because it's very clear that the majority of the American people are not going to buy 
technocratic soulless Republican Party of the Mitch McConnells of the world, or let's just do let's just uh, you know Cheeto Jesus saves and sells T-shirts and do rallies. They're not buying it. They're not gonna buy it. Someone needs to tell you. I'll do it. They're not buying this. They haven't bought it in the last three cycles. They're not buying it in the next one. And the irony of the morning after Wisconsin State Supreme Court basically just becomes an entry point for George, the cancer known as George Soros, and we're going to sell t-shirts. I, I just don't know what else to say other than that. that because it says it all. At least, at least we used to care about elections on the right. We, didn't, we gave up caring about policy outcomes pr- pretty much after the contract with America. We don't care. I got people, you guys are loading up my inbox telling me the governor of Florida who's just laying waste to the Democrat agenda is a rhino. So we don't care about policy on the right. We don't care. We haven't cared in a long time. But at least we used to care about elections. We don't care about that anymore either. So, you're going to get your ass kicked. Like it's getting kicked right now. And I'm not your mom. I'm your dad. And my job is to tell you the truth. And so I will. This is a loser. This won't win. This level of commitment, can we get a donation? Can we get a grift? Can I get a platform? Can I sell a rally? Can I, um, uh, 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 will you buy my t-shirt? Won't win. We're an industry. They're a movement. Movements always crush industries. Conviction always wins. And now he, is, he has accepted the premise that this is a viable proceeding. He has shown up, let himself be fingerprinted, played along. All right. So we'll play out their script. How do you think it'll go? Gee, I don't know. It's their jury, their judge, their attorney, their prosecutor, their media, their state. By golly, it, it's a mystery wrapped inside a puzzle, shrouded by an enigma. I'm just, I'm on the edge of my seat wondering how this will all play itself out. This is the greatest four-dimensional chess of all time. Giving them everything they want. Letting them put the fans in the stands, name the referees for the game, and even pick your players. Brilliant. Send your 50 bucks, buy your t-shirt. Meanwhile, Wisconsin just became a lawless state, and you have to win that state to win the next election. Gentlemen, your thoughts? Yeah, let's talk about that movement you're talking about, their passion, their sense of purpose. Why, as you said, Steve, there's more indictments coming. Why this one? First, why this one out of the gate when I, so many people legal, even Vox was out there today saying, yeah, there's some legal problems with this one. Why this one first? I think I'm surprised no one else is talking about it. But listen, I, to me, it's obvious. And it speaks to what Steve said about their sense of purpose, how dug in they are, their long memory. This is their Bill Clinton. 
This is their payback. Yes. That's why. That's why. I'm, that's why I paraphrased that. Yeah. Yes. It's just like when. Just like when Aaron said they had to have they that they they had that we had the high ground on the riots and they had to turn January sixth now into into yeah. an insurrection so they could have the high ground on that too. This is payback for I will not have sex with that woman. That's exactly. That's why I made a reference to that in my in my in my opening. You're correct. Yeah, it's all po- which speaks to it's all politics. They the the you we see all these. All these women, all these Karens right now. Where where is your feminism when it comes to tranny madness? Well, back then, you know, there. Why why did they all defend Hillary or Bill Clinton, even though they should have been hating him because of what he was doing to Hillary? Because in both cases, the, here's the point: more than anything, they hate us, and they never forget it and it's why they even if this is legally suspect they've been waiting for this for so long the young women back then uh and the 30 somethings are now uh the, the women who are uh, uh in control of, of far more the lovers of power and they're going to make sure that they are heard and here to steve's try about uh, steve's trying about selling t-shirts here trump why is trump leaning into this because he's just like bill clinton too he wants to go out there and give you his version of uh, depends on what the definition of is is. We've seen this before. We it just goes to how, how thin this is not new. We've been doing reindeer games for a very very long time on the right. We have not been serious. I was a young man in my twenties and I was warning about the stupidity of all of that involving uh, Bill Clinton. Because it was setting a precedent of unseriousness on both sides. Well, hey, now we got that uh, on stairs. Uh, you know, ours goes up to 11 now. This is their Bill Clinton. And whereas we will get distracted by shiny things, they won't. Their memory is nefarious. Their memory is demonic. That's one thing about Steve's movie. It ties in so well. The long game over a millennia that nefarious plays it's no surprise that the mother nay left has a memory that's just that long well on that note i bring you both glad tidings of great joy do you know when the next hearing for donald trump is in this case do you guys know i do not i don't know no it is december Fourth December. <laughs> Do you know what that means? How many months away is December fourth? Yesterday was April fourth. By yeah. my math, my homeschool math, that's eight months, right? That's eight months. April, May, May, yeah. June, June, July, July, August, August, September, September, October, October, November, November, December. That's eight months. I have eight fingers held up here. I bring you glad tidings of great joy. That's eight months. Of Trump sucking the oxygen out of the room. Eight months of BS leaks. Eight months of whoever the next Stormy Daniels is. Eight months of the next cable news breathless coverage. Eight months of whoever the next Michael Avenatti is. This is not by mistake. No, and it's only the first one. Get ready. And it's only the first one. Yeah, there's that as well. Get ready. It's the same BS... That we got to witness, we had the privilege of witnessing for all but one year of Trump's presidency, and really the year preceding that during the primaries as well. Scheduling this not for another eight months, but totally, totally by 
design. It allows him of to completely suck the oxygen out of the room. Well, Russia's border with NATO just doubled. We've got, we've got, we've got the dollar as the trading currency dropping like flies. Malaysia, Brazil, talking about an Asian reserve currency now as well, something like that. We've got real problems, guys. Wisconsin, Arizona, Pennsylvania, just completely off the board, if we're being honest with ourselves. But no. $36. Can you spare? Hey, Steve, you're going to be making a really cool movie here. I'm sure you could spare. Could you spare uh, $90? It would be about $102, $108 or something like like that. Could you get all three of us those really cool T-shirts? That would be super cool. I'll tell you right now... if he would have taken the offer to not be extradited and dug in his heels and fought this on the merits, I'd bought 10,000 of those shirts if I could afford it. I'd, I'd, I'd buy 10,000 of them. Finally, we're doing something meaningful here. Finally, we're doing something. Because I, I don't care about the name on the back of the jersey. Just the name on the front. That, that's, I don't care whose name's on the back. Yeah, just trying to, trying to preserve what's the last best hope for human flourishing left east of Eden. That, that's all I care about. With kids that are entering into adulthood, getting married, getting ready to have grandkids, graduating from high school, that's all I care about. And I just, to that end, I know this, man. Just selling t-shirts and raising, you know, get another, squeeze another 50 bucks from boomer grandmothers in nursing homes. Just after they're done watching Fox and Friends. Up against, let's put a George, let's put George Soros and drag on a key swing state's Supreme Court. I, I just know that that's not good. That ain't gonna do it. That that ain't gonna do it. That I know. May not know what will. Sure as hell know what won't. Last night's red carpet premiere was incredible. Billy Hallowell is here in town. He came to the event. We look forward to talking and reconnecting with our old friend when we come back. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no armed guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. So do we have any recent experience with venerable medications that uh, would have come in handy during an emergency situation that suddenly the system decided you couldn't have access to, you couldn't have, uh, they were suddenly dangerous after giving them Nobel Prizes? Anything come to mind? 
No. No, but just in case that were to happen, maybe in the future, uh, make sure you get a hold of our friends over at Jace Medical, J-A-S-E. J as in jump at this right now. Don't hesitate. Have this in your medicine cabinet now for the next time they decide. Yeah. Now it's amoxicillin that's dangerous. Now it's doxycycline that you really shouldn't use anymore. Um, Not coincidentally, right when we're trying to bring an experimental product to market that we won't lawfully be able to if there are other medications that work. No, again, coincidentally. Uh, Make sure at jacemedical.com, you go there right now, get set up with the Jace case, venerable antibiotics that you will have just in case, or you never know. Sometimes the medical supply just gets let's go Brandon, like we had an amoxicillin shortage recently. All right, jacemedical.com, use the promo code code DACE for a discount at checkout. JaceMedical.com promo code DACE at checkout. Well, he is an old friend of the show. He's actually an, an old friend of, uh, of this place. He used to work out of, of this place. Billy Hallowell is here with us now from CBN. It is good to see you, brother. You came all the way from NYC. It is good to see you. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, to, to come to our little shindig last night. Thank you very much, man. How are you? It, first of all, the event was amazing. The film is amazing. I'm doing well. So let's start with the event because you asked me how I thought it went, and I had said to you, I mean, I don't, I've never been to a movie premiere before, never held one before, so I have nothing to compare it to, you know. So, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was amazing, but I don't know what else to compare it to. So you've done a, your share of these. What do you think? Well, first of all, you filled numerous theaters, which doesn't happen a lot. We had almost 500 people come last night. That is a stunning number of people, right? I've been to ones in L.A., I've been to ones in Nashville. This was incredible. And I think the thing that was interesting to me was the energy that people had. Mm. People were really excited about this film. It's different. It attacks the issue of evil, Mm -hmm. right? It's different from any other Christian film that I've seen, Mm -hmm. hands down. And I'm not just saying it because we're friends. It is incredibly different. And I think people felt that going into it. And sitting in, I already watched it before going, right? And then sitting it and watching it for a second time and seeing the energy during it was pretty exciting, too. The reaction, I I can't get enough of watching the movie with people. You know, I don't watch it or stuff anymore on my own. I It's become like a Star Wars or original Star Trek movie to me. I know all the lines by heart. <laughs> and I can just mouth them, you know. But I love sitting in a room or a theater and getting people's reaction to it because the film is so subversive no spoilers obviously the film is so subversive that i am not worried about this is like the first time i've ever been a part of something that i have aggressively told people how great i thought it was i typically try to knock expectations down because i'd rather exceed low expectations than disappoint (laughs) high ones i'm not worried about blowing expectations out of the water though because the film is subversive about a third of the way through, the movie is going to take a turn that you probably didn't anticipate as you're just getting into the rhythm of the movie. And and the movie takes a turn. And, the, and that, that's actually when the real movie starts. The The first third is, hey, is this like Silence of the Lambs, Seven, Primal Fear? Is he sane? Is he not? Is this real? Is he not? Uh, you know. And then about a third of the movie, the mask comes off and the real nefarious film begins. And I think that the way that Carrie and Chuck, who will be here later today, are filmmakers, the way they in, imported that into the script makes it almost impossible to disappoint expectations because the film pulls the rug out from underneath you in the middle of it to alter your expectations as you're watching it in a way. Well, it makes you want, you're sitting there and you're trying to understand what is going on here. Do I trust this person? Do I, I don't want to give too much away, but right. do I think he's telling me the truth? Do I not? And what about this other guy? Like, what's his deal? And you're trying to figure it out. And what you guys pulled off with this that is so incredible, it's very hard to watch a movie with only two people interacting. Mm-hmm. That's why nobody really does it. There's mm-hmm. very few movies that do it. 
And this movie pulls it off because the entire time you're drawn into that conversation, you want to know the truth, right? And that's what the film is all about, ironically, is is yeah. truth. Yeah. And so as you're trying to navigate that within these characters, for me, what I found so interesting was I kept thinking beyond just that conversation. What is our culture like? What is going on around us? It just, the discussion of evil and goodness kept bringing me back to that. And I would imagine, you know, that's the intended effect of it. That is. It's, it's yep. very, very powerful. As you talked to people before and then after, what kind of stood out to you? Well, a number of things stood out to me. First of all, let's talk about things on set, right? Because these are like the behind the scenes things, right? Mm -hmm. The way that people talked about the set of the film, and to me, that's a really important thing, just as a journalist, somebody who kind of looks like, how did, it, did this get put together? These are Christians, right, who wrote it, put it together. What went on on the set? And everybody talked about the set being different from anything they'd experienced before. There was prayer on the set. There was, you know, there were exorcists on the set, mm -hmm. faith leaders, people people coming in. We, to had, we had exorcists there last night. I talked to a couple yes. of them. Yeah. One of them I had just interviewed. It was funny, we ran into each other. I was like, I know you from Zoom last week. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, that was a really different element. And they said it set a totally different tone for how the project went, right? Like while they were making it. So that was interesting. The other part of it, every single person who was a part of this film, and I talked to people who ran the cameras, everything, producers, line producers, they were all impacted by it. Mm -hmm. They all felt, usually when you ask questions, and you know this, of people involved in a movie, they're very surface answers. Like, I hope people are entertained. Everybody really felt there was something deeper here, mm -hmm. and they and they spoke about that. And mm -hmm. that that resonated with me because I thought, man, even the people who weren't in front of the camera are feeling the depth of it. Hmm. That means a lot, man. Thank you. And uh, Sean Patrick Flannery and Jordan Belfi said in the seats that you're in yesterday. And um, I listened to them t each tell us about what they loved most about the film and their experience making it. And, you know, we've had a, a what I think, uh, Billy, is a false debate in the church for about the last generation between uh, truth and grace. Uh, and this false choice that we, we cannot love our neighbor as we love ourselves um, and yet confront them with the uncomfortable truth of the human condition and the world in which we live in at the same time. And so let's let's get rid of that part and just focus on um, on kindness uh, and generosity uh, and loving kindness mm. and not justice or truth as if they go together. And, you know, Jordan talked about the experience where, you know, the first day of filming, his firstborn son gets born suddenly, you know, and. There were pastors on set. People came around him and his wife. They were there to comfort them and be for them, right? So there, there, is, there, there is the grace of God that Jordan was shown as an actor. Sean, his position was, it's the most important movie I've ever done. It's got the most important message, and I think it's a message that people need to hear. I mean, he, I mean so what stuck out to him is the truth of the film. And it reminded me of uh, what John writes, um, for the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We have, we have pitted these things, truth and grace, in the Christian, particularly in the evangelical church. I can only speak to that natively because that's my habitat. Right. Yeah, same for me. We, we, have, we have pitted them against one another. As if your only choice is, I'm going to be a hard, rigid church of truth that when the kids grow up, they don't want to come back to, they don't <laughs> return to, all right? So we never, we're not baptizing anybody new, or I'm just, I'm, I'm counting how many new people I'm baptizing, not discipling a damn one of them. And, right. just, and just, who knows, you know, I got nominal. them in the doors. It's just nominal yep, yep, faith. Yeah. yeah, I made them feel bad about their sins once, accidentally almost, and, <laughs> and now they're just part of a rotary club. That there's nothing between these two tent poles. And for, for Jordan and Sean to come in here yesterday, 
today and say, hey, you know what was special to me about being a part of this production? The grace you guys showed me at a challenging time in my family. You guys took me in as a member of your family. You guys loved on me. You guys were there. You supported us as a family. That made a huge impression on us. Bam. Yeah, Jordan this morning. I saw yep. him this morning and, and interviewed him, and he talked about that. He yep. said that you guys, you know, the whole production came around him. He felt love. He felt peace. Because mm-hmm. that's got to be hard. You go to film a movie, right. and I'm sure everyone's panicking because it's like one of your lead actors just had a baby, and he right. wants to be with his baby. He right. wants to be there. But he just talked about having peace because of showing that love. You know, part of it is a distortion of love, right? Mm-hmm. Like culture has so distorted love that now the church is embracing the distorted version of love and acting like, you know, that's part of the problem. Yep. And yet when you show that authentic real love, like we're talking about here, that's what changes people. That's what changes a culture, right? Exactly. And then you have Sean, a little bit older, a little bit more settled probably in his belief system. He's like, I, man, I just... I just wanted to fire a bazooka across the bow of the culture because I'm scared. I'm scared as hell of what's going on out there. It's insane. And I think that though it's not, we have to stop pitting these two instincts against yeah. one another. And they are, they're part of a complementarian relationship. All right. That we, we show love to tell truth and we tell the truth as a means of, of showing love. Sometimes people need to hear that's a terrible idea. Right. You, that, that would be beyond stupid to do that. Okay. Sometimes people need to hear that. Well, when Jesus, when Jesus says, love God, love others, right? He's distilling the law down into these two things. Everybody loves the love others part, right? Right. right. The love God part. Like, why do you love God? You love God. When you love God, you align with his truth, right? You're putting him first, which means whatever you think or feel or whatever you want to do, it may not be a good thing. Mm-hmm. It may not fall within God's will. So you love God, you put that first and then you love others. If you skip that first part, you end up in the messed up culture that we have right now where love doesn't even mean anything anymore. Right. You know, it's it's insane. You can't really have. And I mean, we've talked this to death and we need to keep doing it because people aren't getting it. You cannot have love without truth. I mean, if there's absent of truth, there is no love. And I think right now we're watching this unfold in our culture. And what I loved about the film was that you're addressing the other part of this, which is evil, right? When you walk around throwing the word love around without truth, you end up with evil that's masquerading as right. goodness. Right. And you confront that head on and make people think, well, if there's a the God. The wolves dress up like the sheep. Right. Yes. Absolutely. And and that's a challenging thing. If you're an atheist and you watch your film, if you're a Christian and you watch your film, you walk away with the same question. If there is more, what does that mean for me? What am I doing? Am I aligned with the right side? I have to pick a side, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why that's really what I love about it. The film I've described it as a as a as a hundred and four minute provoking. It is just it it just provokes you all the way through. Uh, I mean, the opening scene without spoiling it provokes you right away. Oh, this is not going to be your typical Christian movie. Right away, <laughs> send a message. It provokes the believer. Do you understand this? Of what are, we've heard of the woke. Are you awake though to what is actually going on around us? It certainly provokes many times unbelievers as well, and. I, I, that leads me to the other thing I wanted to talk to you about today, the state overall of faith-based filmmaking. And um, I, when, when I went and saw Jesus Revolution, which I absolutely loved the movie. Great film. My, here's my favorite scene, and I know it's going to sound weird. When they dropped LSD from the crop duster at the, at the <laughs> Timothy Leary, Janis Joplin concert. But here's why. Here's why, though. Later on, when you see Greg Laurie, who is taking the LSD... Uh, you know, in the movie, him and his future wife are taking it. When you see them get converted later in the film, 
it means something now. Absolutely. It's not cheesy now. Right. It wasn't, hey, I went through a really bad period in my life. We don't want to possibly explain it because it might glorify sin. And then I go out into some wooden area and ask Jesus into my heart and we all cringe. I mean, I literally put in my contract with Chuck and Carrie, no cheesy conversion scenes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, but, but when, when you see Greg Laurie get converted, I, you're moved now. Because you witnessed where he was. You saw his future sister-in-law nearly OD and commit suicide. You see the dysfunction of his family. I think the same team that I can only imagine. See the same thing there. The dysfunction of that family. It, it lets us know the stakes we're playing for here. It, t- it doesn't make this seem cheesy or trite, but real. And the scriptures are real. They do not hide. They're not salacious necessarily or gratuitous, but they do not attempt to shield you or hide you from the reality of human nature on any level there's a lot of reality show stuff going on genesis to revelation and it doesn't <laughs> yes. doesn't skirt it it doesn't try to water it down and make it g-rated for you and so i love the idea that we are now giving ourselves permission to say let's tell a real story not the nice story mm-hmm. but a real story because when redemption comes at the end now it's more impactful now it feels more real to me well that's the thing and i think audiences and i'm speaking to the audience here and we're part of that audience there's a responsibility on the audience because I do think the fear that a lot of filmmakers have is the Christian audience is going to react badly if dot 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 we put this real thing in we're seeing films do it more your film does it Jesus Revolution does it and we need to see more of it because we're all human beings all of us have a difficult family member or more than one Mm -hmm. we all have struggles we've all made mistakes there are people sitting in our families there are all sorts of families dealing with all the issues that we talk about in their lives and if we're not talking about that how are we relating to people so I think the audience does need to recognize that and see that as well that there's a reason why that happens and I think look Christian filmmaking gets a lot of hits from people it's growing it's learning Hollywood didn't really let Christians in for a long time and Christians walked away from Hollywood for a long time and so now there's a catching up to do and I think we've really seen that your film advances that incredibly and it's exciting to see it's important though like like that we're real we've got to be real so We've done, we think now, you know, we're, we're, we're spending every dime we have in our marketing budget right now. We have, um, I, I think we've made the best movie we could have made for the resources and the, and the period of time that we had to make it and the challenges we had, which will make one heck of a documentary one day to even get to last night's event. <laughs> all right. But uh, we're now at the uncomfortable stage, though, where, where soon it will go to the voters. You have made your case. You have run your ads, given your speeches. You've done the cam- best campaign you can do, and it will go to the voters. I need you to counsel me now, all right? Because I am, a, I am, I, my idol is competitiveness. I am a terrible, like disgustingly <laughs> dreadful loser, all right? And, and so I am, I, keep, I, I told everybody last night, two weeks from now when I'm pouring over every box office return and not satisfied, remind me of how much I enjoyed last night because I'll, <laughs> otherwise I'll become a terrible human to be around, all right? So I've never gone through this process. You've covered it quite a bit. What, what pointers would you give for me to, to not fall into a depressive stupor when reality hits of what the world is like out there? You know, I can say with confidence that you and your team, because I've seen it, you know, and, and I've seen you kind of walk through this. You've done every single thing God called you to do on this, right? He called you to it. You guys did it. You pushed through when things are difficult. You are, as you said, spending every dime that you have to get it out there. At the end of the day, when push comes to shove, there's a release date. That is your date. And I think you really just have to take it to prayer on that day mm-hmm. and really say, God, I did what you asked me to do do what you're going to do with it. And that is such a challenging thing. You write books, you know this with a book, right? Mm -hmm. You're kicking yourself. You're like, why are there not more selling? And I've really brought myself to a place of, you know what, God, I know I did it all. And when I know I did that, 
I know this is like the Christianese answer, but it really, for me, brings me a lot of peace. It's like, I'm going to let this go and let God do with it what he's going to do. And that's all you can really do. I think that a film is unique too, in that you have the box office release and that's the, that's the important thing, but it lives on, right? Yeah. And it has other yeah. lives after it, and there's streaming and there's other things. So this is going to be something that has so many iterations. I'm so excited for you to kind of watch you mm. journey through it um, and, and really impact lives and hearts because that's what it's going to do. Well, it was exciting to have you here in person for a change, and it's good to see you. I know. This yeah. is amazing to be here. Yeah, and uh, I I think I figured it out. This morning I woke up and I said, last night is the end of the race. We got to the end. Yes, you did we, it. We got it. We got to the premiere. We showed it to our, our peers, our family, our the people we, we respect or we want to earn the respect of, and um, here's, we, here's the best we did with what God called us to do, and the feedback we got was overwhelmingly positive, and so... That's all we can control. That's and, all you can control. And, and now what happens is uh, the uncertainty it faces out there in the general public that getting to last night was the win. Yeah, actually. and you did it. And you guys pushed on. I mean, it's a miracle to get a movie made. And mm-hmm. I always say this to people because I've covered a ton of movies. I worked at Pure Books for years. You know, it is when you see what it takes to get a movie made, everyone just shows up and watches it and claps and enjoys right. it. They right. have no idea the millions of dollars, the difficulty, the struggle. And so you guys have done that. And that's a miracle in itself. And judging by last night, I think you're going to see a lot of lives change, a lot of hearts impacted. I do. Well, good to see you, brother. Don't hesitate to give us a review. I'm going to give you a great review. All right. Thank you. Good to see you. (laughs) All right. When we come back uh, for hour two, um, the guys who are really the masterminds of this movie that are coming out on April the 14th, uh, Carrie Solomon and Chuck Consulman, the writers and the directors of Nefarious, they will join us right here in the studio here at The Blaze in Dallas. Next. Stay tuned. Here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here in Dallas, heading home this afternoon, following the show back to Des Moines. I will be back there in our studios at uh, home base tomorrow, where Todd and Aaron still are. They will get their own red carpet premiere. We're doing another one for all of our Iowa friends and family. That's coming up Wednesday, uh, April the 12th. So are you guys looking forward to that, by the way? Didn't even bother to ask you. It's locked in. And on my spring uh, schedule, as you know, Steve, it's normally pretty chaotic. I have had this pla- this flag planted on the calendar for a long time. I'm, I'm actually going to clean up for once, uh, wear a button-down shirt, <laughs> maybe a tie, maybe a nice. tie. But yeah, wow. it's going to be, wow. it's gonna be uh, fun. I mean, I saw that venue y'all were at last night. That looked sweet. I don't know if the backstage it area, was. was it lit in green light as well for the premiere? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, Cinemark, Cinemark, man, went next level with all that. They, they work phenomenal. And our setup team uh, with, the, uh, with the movie, everybody there did a great job. I mean, it was first class, man, all the way. First class all the way. So you guys will get uh, a, a, a little bit of a, of a different version uh, of that. You can come on in, Chuck. Have a seat. You'll get a little bit of a different version of that uh, coming up uh, in Des Moines uh, next week. Looking forward to that. Um, let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com. Actually, don't email me right now. We just did an email server migration here at The Blaze. I don't know why. Mine is the only one that ended up getting 72,000 emails into its inbox. Okay. Actually, I think I know why. I'm pretty confident I know why. 
All right, I see you working. Okay, but uh, so I, it, it might be a minute before I get to your note if you try sending me one. You can also find me on uh, Facebook, MeWe and uh, Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Gitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And then don't forget to look for us as well over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace. There for those of you that tune in via the podcast, we appreciate each and every one of you. You're a big part of our audience. Uh, don't forget, leave us a five star review if you like it. Now, if you don't like it, you know we wouldn't ask you to lie. Of course. What if you kind of like it? Well, we would totally ask you to exaggerate. All right. So no three-star reviews. <laughs> only five. Only only want ones and fives. Ones and fives. That's all we want. We don't really care what the ratio is. You know, just uh, we're, we're looking for extreme reactions uh, to this show. All right. So thank you for all of you that have left us five-star reviews. Hit subscribe and follow for us as well if you have yet to do that. This portion of the show brought to you by My Patriot Supply. You know, if you've seen the latest OPEC numbers, now they're going to cut production down as well. Gas prices will go up even higher. The Let's Go Brandoning continues. Make sure you are ready for if and when this hits the food supply. Uh, and that's where you can get their three-month emergency food kit. That's over 2,000-plus calories that you need per day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks uh, that you will have that stays good for well over 20 years with proper storage. And right now, uh, you can save $200 on each kit that your family needs. Not just $200 off the total bill, $200 off each kit your family needs and free shipping too. And free shipping when you go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Again, head over to MyPatriotSupply.com. And now we welcome in the masterminds of uh, the movie. Move those mics a little bit closer, you guys, if you don't mind. They're a little more directional. Carrie Solomon and Chuck Consulman are here. They are the writers and the directors of Nefarious Hitting Theaters on April the 14th. The hand-to-hand combat for screens continues. So um, if you want to show help us show our strength to the movie theater chains around the country, get your tickets right now at NefariousTickets.com. That's NefariousTickets.com. And I've seen some of the early numbers you guys are showing out, making a big difference. Can't thank all of you enough at NefariousTickets.com. And so, gentlemen, we made it to the end. For a long time, it did not feel like we were going to get here. There's, I can think of off the top of my head at least three or four times that it looked like we were dead in the water, right? And, yeah, only three or four. I thought you had a better, <laughs> better memory. Than that. Maybe those are the only ones I've chosen to remember. <laughs> oh my goodness! But um, I was just talking with a guy that all three of us have known for a long time, Billy Hallowell over at CBN, and. And I've never done a movie premiere, never been to one, so I had nothing to compare it to. He said it's one of the most impressive he's ever seen in terms of the setup, the amount of turnout, uh, and the energy after after viewing the movie. And uh, I, I I looked, I was talking to him. How do I get to a point? Because I am a miserable idolater when it comes to competitiveness. I hate losing. I am I am from the Ricky Bobby school of life. Second place is the first loser in all things. Okay, so everything's pass fail to me. And. Um, and he was, and we finally came to the conclusion that getting to last night is the win. Getting to the part that we could bring this to our peer group, people we respect, people whose respect we still want to earn, our friends and our family members, and letting them sit with us and enjoy with and sit with them and enjoy the fruits of our labors over the last three, almost three years to get to this point. That's the win. And that's all we could control. We, we did what God wanted us to do. We made the best movie we could make. And uh, and now, you know, what happens from here is uncertain and we don't have control over. But we were we earned the the respect and applause of our of our peer group whose opinions matter to us more than anybody else. And in the end, other than God's, of course. And so maybe that's the win was getting to last night. Thoughts. Amen. I mean, you know, it's a long journey and it's been daily struggle, you know, hand to hand combat with the adversary. Mm -hmm. But so we know we. uh doing the right thing 
and uh, excited about it. I mean, last night was off the hook. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to have a reaction, when you have 500 or 700, 800 people watching a movie, you know there's going to be some people that don't like it, some people that hate it, some people that love it. Every single person that we interacted with and the people around them, they loved the movie. Mm -hmm. So I think you're right. I think that last night was the end of our run. And I think from here, the Lord has got to take it. And I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to do a miracle. He's going to, he's going to use it because it's anointed. We got the kid on the bike. We pushed him along the street. Now it's time to let go and watch, <laughs> right. watch him sink or swim. That's just the way it, when yeah. you watch it. You're, it's not like you're not emotionally invested, but it's up to them now. And it's up to the movie and what the Lord does with it now. We even had our, uh, you may have talked with it already because we didn't hear the beginning. We had a, sort of our last gasp of uh, direct demonic uh, diabolical activity the other night. Mm -hmm. Which was interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe we do I had an exorcism at three o'clock in the morning when I came back to the hotel. The yeah. exorcist was literally in the hallway and we ended up talking, Father Carlos Martins. Yep. From and the Exorcist was, Files podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And and what was amazing was he was telling us that when we were interviewing him, our team was interviewing him, the lights in the room started to flicker, which meant that we couldn't well, film for all, obvious reasons. All of the equipment was malfunctioning. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the, the card went bad. The sound mixer died out of nowhere. Everything went bad. So yeah, he, he now mind you, he's, a, he's on the fifth floor, for your listeners, he's on the fifth floor of a hospitality suite, and he says, okay, I, I know what's going on. So he positions himself with his back to the French doors. The French doors go out to the fifth story air. You know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a straight drop, and he faces the room, and he starts doing, he does the rite of exorcism of place, and, and he's He's full bore Latin. I mean, this is the old, this is old school Catholic. You know, mm -hmm. not not holding the exorcism. One second, Todd, contain yourself back there in Des Moines. All right, contain yourself. <laughs> Go ahead. Go He's ahead. not yes. holding a Benedictine crucifix, but he is going through the right. He's yeah. reading the right, and uh, suddenly, as he, he reports it, he says he has a woman's voice uh, from his his just to behind his right ear. Now, there's no room for a human being to be there, mm -hmm. and, and she's uh, chanting, and she's speaking and chanting. And uh, and continues uh, to be annoying until he reaches a part of the right which commands uh, bow now before the great and terrible name of Jesus. And at which point hmm. the voice ceased and he was troubled no more. And the lights stopped flickering. Everything works. Now, you can say coincidence, but we all know that there's no such thing as coincidence with with God, first of all, and second yeah. of all, with electronic devices. Yeah, we've had three years. Right. It'll be three years in June when we first met to storyboard this movie. It, we've had three years of coincidences. By the way, Amy reminded me, my wife reminded me, today's our wedding anniversary. Which, so there's a lot of going on right now. It's our 26th wedding anniversary. It's also today is the anniversary of the day that we took our kids to go see God's Not Dead in the theaters. Wow. It was on this date uh, in 2014. Uh, so it was, uh, it was nine years ago that we went and saw God's Not Dead in the theaters. And as I was explaining to Billy Hallowell last segment, I'm the weird guy whose favorite scene in Jesus Revolution is when the LSD drops out of the sky from the crop duster. <laughs> and the reason, but, but here's why. Because later in the movie, when you see Greg Laurie get converted, now it means something. It's not cheesy. It's not trite that you see the stakes how, you know, of, of depravity that he is called out of. And my favorite scene in God's Not Dead, I've told you guys this privately. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever said this to the audience, but my favorite scene in God's Not Dead is when Dean Cain's character goes to visit his mom, has a prophetic moment, considers for a second that she is speaking prophetically to him, and then just rejects it and goes about his day and drives off. 
Yeah. And the reason why that was my favorite scene is, again, that I thought that was the first time in a mainstream Christian film that we rejected the premise that everything had to be a hallmark ending at the end, that that, that there are real cosmic stakes we're playing for here. Yeah. And in a battle, you take punches, you take L's in a battle, you take casualties, no matter if you're if you're on the winning side or not. You don't walk out of there without any. We're going to have Good Friday on, you know, here in a, in a few days. That's the ultimate casualty. Right. All right. You're going to take an L every now and then. And in fact, the so the fact that you felt like it was okay to be honest with Christian audiences and mainstream audiences about that, I think was, I think was really a turning point. I thought at the time in the making of faith-based movies. And then I think unplanned went to a totally different level. And then I think this thing has a level kind of unto it itself yes. for sure. Well, the admonition, if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart, it's in there for a reason. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets an offer and it's a question of whether you accept it or not. You know, it's all, it's all out there. All you have to do is want it, but there are so many that just, when the time comes and that offer is made, they turn away, and it's uh, the Lord feels terrible about it, but it, it's up to them in the end. He's He's given us this whole free will thing. You know, the world would be a great place without free will, wouldn't it? It would, <laughs> especially you know, sinners with free will becomes a very dangerous proposition. Yeah. Indeed. Let's go back to the beginning of this. You know, I I posted on my socials this morning. Knowing now how it has turned out, I, I would not have wanted this to go any other way. The timing of when it's coming out is perfect. Um, the experience for me on a personal level, I mean, this strengthened my marriage. It strengthened my faith. Um, it made me um, even more calloused, tougher, more resilient. Um, I mean, this, this has been, other than being a dad, nothing has made me grow up more. Uh, as a Christian than the making going through the making of this film and this journey with you guys and uh, so I I wouldn't change a thing I wonder though I mean I, I was kidding with you guys when we first started this hey go online go watch the making of documentaries of the exorcist and the omen get an idea of what's coming your way from making this movie yep. I was kind of tongue-in-cheek when I was saying that but you know knowing what you guys know now if you could go back and warn you know uh, idealistic Chuck and Carrie from 2020 embarking on this journey what would you would you have changed anything now that you know how it ends I don't know that we were idealistic Chuck you got to realize in 2020 we just come off unplanned yeah so we had been through this ringer yeah. once before mm -hmm. uh, no I don't think we I, I mean there are some things that had we known they were coming we could have reacted a little bit you know you're, when you're in the field you'd always like to have You'd always like to have 24 hours advance notice of what the enemy was doing to you. And right. You'd have time right. to react. Yeah, but it doesn't yeah. work that way. Right? But right. it doesn't work that way. No, I, I think other than, I mean, from a personal standpoint, I'm weary at this point. I need about a 10-day rest at some point. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, I I don't we, think we, we would trust that we're in the Lord's will. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think we would have changed anything, you know, because it made our relationship grow. It made the relationship with the other people that were involved grow. Mm -hmm. It was a process of learning, you know, and... Like I said before, I don't believe in coincidence or karma or luck. This is all God. He takes you through the desert. But at the end, you know you're going into Israel, right? So how bad can it be as long as you keep going? I, I mean, I'll give the three of us credit in the sense that we kept falling forward. Mm -hmm. Okay, but you know, on a football field, if you keep falling forward enough, you're, you're gaining yardage. Going, right, yeah. you're gaining yardage. Yeah. You know, and if a man is six feet tall, you're going to get first downs and you're going to end up scoring as long as you fall forward. And I think that's what he expected from us. And so, yeah, there are mistakes that we probably made or wasted money on this or that or, you know, or, or you, did something. You can't, particularly in marketing, you know, one of the best, the guy who I believe understood the faith market best and still does is Michael Scott, who was one of the producers at Pure Flix. 
and uh, who went through the God's Not Dead and all that, he understood mm-hmm. uh, the Christian demo better than anyone, I believe, on the business and marketing side. And he, he, before we did Unplanned, he said, um, you're going to raise your marketing spend and you're going to go do it. And then afterwards, you're going to wonder which 50% you wasted. <laughs> but you can't know that ahead of time. You yeah. have to go and through it. You have to do it. You yeah. have to go through it. But emotionally as well, you know, we needed, I, I think what the Lord does is because he knows you're in a battle, mm-hmm. he kind of jabs you. You know, you're kind of sparring in a way. And he'll hit like you. Like Israel, one who wrestles with God. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he'll, you know, jab, jab. And you get bang, bang. And you're like, well, I got to put up my guard and I got to do that. Well, he prepares you for battle against the devil. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we know if he wants the victory, it's going to happen. And so I believe he wants the victory in this movie. I believe this movie is anointed. There's no way to get these reactions. People are losing their minds on the movie in a good way. So I think that if we had changed anything, it would be a foolish, mortal mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though we didn't like going through what we went through. You went through stuff. We went through stuff. I mean, it was crazy. We but now the, we have a story to tell. We mm-hmm. have all the crazy obstacles, but we get the miracles, too. And the yep. thing is, you tend to, you you for lack of a better term, you endure the miracle. You, In other words, you, you, it happens. You process it. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, it's not that you forget about it, but then you're dealing with the crisis that the obstacle created. And that takes a lot more time and a lot more emotional energy. I mean, I, I'm guessing you've already spoken with your listeners about, like, Three or four weeks ago, whatever it is now, the roof of our building got ripped off. Yeah. Frankly, and I'd completely forgotten about that when three or four weeks ago, literally every movie that hasn't been released in the last two years decided to get released in our release window. Yeah. I mean, those kinds of things. Yeah. But but at our our facility where we work, you know, there were only two things going on in that building, post-production on The Chosen and us, and the roof got ripped off. And that building has now been reduced to sticks. No no drywall, no carpet, no yep. nothing. An indoor water park for one night. But I will say, by the way, you know, when these things happen, you get up and you move on. You don't dwell on it. And it brings you to the next open door that he yep. wants you to go through. So yep. it's... Yep. The, the thing about that was the most powerful to me in this whole experience is when talk of spiritual warfare, often in Christian circles, is of an ominous tone. And it, it, it's like the devil's the only one wielding any power in this equation. And to watch what God did to get us to this point, the things he made happen, the, the dots that we couldn't have connected on our own, there, I could think of off the top of my head, and obviously you guys would be the two, team, two names at the top of the list, but I could think of off the top of my head 20 people without whom this movie would not have happened. All right, that's, that's, that's quite a safe statement. Let me give you an example. You and I were going over people to call out yesterday you know, for the crowd, VIPs. Totally on me. One name I forgot about is one of these names. A guy named Ryan Walters. And Ryan was on Glenn Beck's show this morning. He is the superintendent of Oklahoma schools. And when I was bringing, getting ready to bring my family down in December of 21 to the filming, and you guys called me and said, hey, we're here, here's the next existential crisis with this strike and everything else. So, I mean, out of nowhere, I remembered there was this guy in my inbox, and I get hundreds of emails a day, guys. I, I, a guy in my inbox named Ryan Walters, who's a big fan of the show, who had just been appointed the Secretary of Education in Oklahoma, and wanted me, you know, I would ask me for my thoughts on this or thoughts on that. And so I'd totally forgotten that I even knew what this guy's name was. I go into my inbox out of how many thousands of emails, dig it out, get a hold of this guy in an hour, and I'm able to, through him, get to the governor, the attorney general, and you know, help, enlist help for us to get this movie shot and finished. If, if, if I didn't know and have this relationship with this guy whose name I hadn't thought of in weeks, okay, um, there's just so many of those kinds of moments where you can see things that, that God put into place 
and then just played chess uh, to, to, to move all of those pieces on the board into place to get us to checkmate and the completion of this film. I mean, I'm, I'm just, there's so many of those stories we could all tell like this. I'm just awestruck by that experience. Our editor. I mean, when we were stuck for yes. a great editor, he called yeah. into your show. Yeah. He's emailed like, the show. Yeah. Email, oh, emailed the show. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know, of course, any responsible production is going to have their editor in place by now, but I'm just going right. <laughs> to... <laughs> I think you guys might be irresponsible, so let me give it a but shot. Just, yes. But just in case you guys are, are, are totally incompetent... And, and losers. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and he was wonderful. Well, I mean, the best part of that story was we fell in love with him, and the editor we had wasn't good, and then we hired another guy, but then he lost his mind, mm-hmm. as people are apt to do in this process when the devil gets in their head. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, we really want this guy, you know, he's a, he was tremendously enthusiastic and capable. And so we really- Brian want, Jeremiah Smith is his name. Yeah, and we yeah. love this guy. We want to work with him forever. And so out of nowhere, I mean, you tell me, Coincidence or God? Out of nowhere, he says, I can't work. I'm working on the Netflix, the, the Netflix project, but I maybe could work an hour here and an hour there. That's how much he wanted to do it. So he wouldn't go to sleep. Netflix puts his show on hold, pays him through the for two months. Puts him right? on paid hold because I know he's really and good. And then yeah. he works the whole show, the whole movie with us. Okay. And then the day we're done. They restart the show. And he didn't ask them to do it because they wouldn't. Right. Now you can say that's a coincidence or you can right. say, look, that's the hand of God. And literally did such an amazing job. You know, like you said, every person has their their, uh, their part to play in this. And, and, you know, we in like you're calling it a chess game. God beats the computer yes. in the chess game. Yes, he is. He is algorithm incarnate. Right. Yes. Yeah. Let's make sure we don't bury the lead, though, in the final uh, section we have with you guys. I want to talk about the masterful job you guys did. Um, I mean, you you took my book and elevated that material. You made it better. Um, I mean, I, 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 I did my best to try to give Sean and Jordan as, me- as much credit uh, the last 24 hours to their faces and to people that I would talk to around them as much as I could. And they were all very quick to defer to the work that you guys did with the script that you wrote um, that laid the foundation, that was the plumb line for the production, that was kind of the template uh, and the guy, and the lodestar. And um, it's, it's, a ma- it's a masterfully written script. Uh, everywhere I've taken the movie around the country and everyone's first few comments are incredibly well-written. Uh, incredibly uh, compelling dialogue. Uh, never felt bored, uh, even though much of the movie is two guys going back and forth. Um, I mean, it's a magnum opus, guys. I mean, what you guys came up with in terms of this script is it's just incredible. Well, we appreciate that, and you know, because look, we respected your work and your enthusiasm, your drive to get us to go for it mm-hmm. is why we did it. But and the Lord prompting us because we tried to put it down what 50 times Mm -hmm. you know and we kept saying oh yeah we'll do it next week that kind of thing but i will say to your audience that if you listen to our dialogue right now and the things we're saying and see the movie you will definitely think that that could not be from these two guys so where did that come from Mm -hmm. it was the holy spirit Mm -hmm. you know we were just willing tools so you know i give all credit to god uh and the the book that you wrote i mean you gave us a great character you know the the key is why this works is that had this been the adversary himself directly, who was a character, I don't think we could have done it. 
So you gave us a lieutenant of the adversary, and it's much easier to climb into, much easier to run. Yeah. And this guy whose who's ultimate goal then is the takedown of Western civilization. And then what we just needed to do was we needed to, to narrow down the scope of that. Um, and put and get and, and confine it. You know, Ar- Aristotle figured this out, uh, you know, several thousand years ago. Ideally, you want your story to take place in one revolution of the sun. You want <laughs> there's a reason why Die Hard takes place on Christmas Eve and doesn't extend to Christmas Day and the week afterwards, right? right? right. All things go back to the original Die Hard in our canon. <laughs> but, but, um, so you want to compress it as much as possible and we put it in this arena environment. But th- that character is what allowed us to go do this thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was a masterful stroke of work. And uh, you look at it. Timing is everything. I've had a lot of people ask me what role they thought I played in the the story you guys told. And I said, I, I just really think I handed him a character that was a little bit like giving LSD to Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles. Okay, I just... I we just, used I, it. Yes, I think it just... Wow, there's new frontiers, all right? And instead of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, okay, you guys came back with Nefarious, you know? Yeah. But... Um, the challenges in the midst of this, like when you guys left, when we finished filming in Oklahoma or we yeah. finished filming in Dallas, did you have any idea that this thing was going to turn out as good as it did? Because it was so under the gun, constant threats. Are we right. going to? Are they going to get an injunction? Are we going to get shut down here? Are we going to yeah. have another another walkout. Someone going to get sick. You guys going to almost die of COVID again? Okay, yeah. I mean, what's what's next? And so a lot of I wondered sometimes, are we like? That was a great take. Let's move on because the clock is ticking, right? Did you guys know that when we got to the end, wow, this is even, it's as good or even better than I thought it was going to be. No, no, we ran away. I mean, I hate to say this. We were cowards. Uh, We finished and we knew Sean and Jordan were great. Right. But that's not enough sometimes. You know, you still need the footage. You know, we, we had a crew of, let's say, 100 people and with the strike thing, you know, they did all these terrible things, immoral totally spiritually evil, you know, threatening families, the whole thing. We ended up shooting the the rear of the movie with like 20 people. A you, cinematographer that had never shot a film before. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Never, never. It was crazy. But we felt called, the Lord told us, mm-hmm. go to him. But when we were done, we, you know, we took air because it knocked the tar out of us. We avoided going back into the editing room for a couple afraid of months. Of, afraid of what we was We were there. afraid. You know, yeah. I was, as a man, I was like... We failed, you know, I, I don't understand it, and, and I don't, you know, I, I can't go and look at this footage. We failed Steve, we failed the infer- we failed there, we failed God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he let us wander a little bit, and then he put on my spirit, you're delaying your blessings. And it totally radicalized what I was thinking. What are you talking about, Lord? And we ran back into, and I, I'm telling the truth, we went back in and saw footage that you don't remember shooting. Right. Yeah. And when, but I read, like, when I read my book, I see lines I don't remember writing. Right. Yeah. And like, so you do three, four, five takes and we'd always have, it always came down. There was one piece of footage that we could use. It was literally every, everything we did was not good other than one piece of footage. And that piece got us to the next piece, to the next piece and the next piece. And we watched the Lord construct the movie. And in the room, we started to cry because I said, how great that was. I mean, this is unbelievable. There was no way for this stuff to come together, and it just did. It just did. Yesterday, I'll leave you guys with this. Jordan and Sean sit in the two chairs that you guys are in today. And I think as as whatever executive producer means, 
Um, I, I am the most proud of what they said. In Jordan's case, uh, he talked about, you know, his wife giving birth to their son on the first day of filming and th- the sudden shock of that and what do I do and the amount of grace and love and support that he felt pastorally, communally, uh, that he felt like he was welcomed into a family and into a community. And, um, and I mean, you guys, he, he really, by the production that you guys put together, he really felt the grace of God. Later in the interview, I asked, you know, Sean kind of for his big picture thoughts on the movie. He said, it's the most important work I've ever done. And, um, it's, it's needed and it's, it's what this culture needs to hear right now. And I mean, so, I mean, he talked about the truth angle of it. And I I brought this up earlier in the show. Um, it's a Bible verse I used to quote a lot, um, John writes, for the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And the, the American church has wrecked itself in the last generation, putting grace and truth at loggerheads. That you have to do one at the expense of the other. And so we have to show God's love at the expense of standing for God's truth. And the culture has rejected that. They've heard every softer p- pitch we've had, every nice pitch we have, every gentle pitch we have. It hasn't moved anybody. And yet here... These two guys at different junctures, I mean, Jordan talked, said this 30 minutes before Sean said his point, but the bookends of that interview, guys, were they said being a part of this movie is grace. Jordan talked about grace. Sean talked about truth. That's the fullness of, that's the fullness of Christ's mission. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And those guys both felt to, you know, to be receivers and or instruments of that uh, based on the production that you guys put together. And I, I, I felt that w- that was the best compliment we could possibly receive. And I think that's probably the best compliment I could possibly give you guys for what you have done here. We appreciate it. Amen. You know, we'll praise the Lord. I will say, by the way, uh, as a final thought, they were not in that place at the beginning of the show, of the, uh, of the movie. You know, uh, both of them. I think grace and truth came on them. And I think they were anointed in the process as well. I believe the movie's anointed. I think you cannot go to see this movie and not be stirred spiritually. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. That is true. And so I think that they were also on their journey. You know, uh, both of them basically were not believers. Mm-hmm. Now, Jordan spent last night talking to me about but God and uh, just all these men and Sean as well. Yep. And, and, but a deep, not a, not a petty thing. It, it was deep. Yep. In other words, like how could this happen? And you know, I saw the hand of God and I, I it's amazing. Yeah. And so just imagine what people who see the movie will be like. I mean, it's just, it's profound. Chuck, you have any final thoughts? Thanks for trusting us with your baby. <laughs> this has been like being a parent. Yeah. You know, there's there's all the hope and joy when when the child is born and then as it grows older and starts making its own decisions and becomes its own thing, you start wondering, man, did I screw this thing up? (laughs) (laughs) Please, please don't mirror all my mistakes back to me, please. But uh, I got to tell you, this has been... um, For all the ups and downs, I I, really, I wouldn't wouldn't change anything because I, I I think for us to truly appreciate what was accomplished here, it had to happen this way. And the tension that we felt getting to this point, that tension is felt in the film. And it's the right kind of tension because I think it is, it encapsulates the tension that is happening in our culture right now. The, the darkness has never been more obvious, more prevalent. And nefarious is the same in the film. I mean, there is no pit, there is no disguise. There is no masquerade. It's out in the open and you must choose which path. So gentlemen, thank you very much. And uh, 
It's been a pleasure, and it continues to be. Thank you very much. Same here, Steve. Same Thanks here, for Steve. having us in. You bet. We appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. We'll come back, uh, tell you more about last night's premiere. We'll get Todd and Aaron's thoughts back there in Des Moines as well. Take care. Stay tuned. Going about your daily life when you're living with pain is like walking uphill with a backpack full of rocks. That doesn't sound like fun. So that's why you want to talk to our friends over at Relief Factor. If you've been dealing with several, if you've been dealing with severe pain for too long, uh, Relief Factor helps that pain go away. Uh, and you can try it today. The three-week quick start. It's only $19.95. It isn't a drug, but it was developed by doctors to fight inflammation. So try the three-week quick start for just $19.95. It's the trial pack. See if you don't see a difference in your chronic pain level and ability to manage it in three weeks or less when you go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Find out why about 70% of people who try the three-week trial pack end up coming back and becoming permanent customers and ordering more at relieffactor.com or call them at 800-4-RELIEF. That's the number four. 800-4-RELIEF or relieffactor.com. For Relief Factor, feel the difference. So as we put a bow on what this experience was like down here uh, in Dallas, um, uh, some people I, I want to thank for uh, making an, a special effort to come. Uh, my old boss, Senator Ted Cruz, uh, and his dad, Raphael, who endorsed the original book. And I've, I always forget to ask Raphael this, but I suspect that he is the mutual friend that uh, Glenn Beck uh, called me about uh, several years ago when he first heard about the book that had introduced him to it. Um, you know, one of my best buddies uh, and uh, a former peer on the Cruz campaign, uh, Congressman Chip Roy, uh, he came. Um, uh, another one of my peers on the Cruz campaign, Jesse uh, Jason Johnson, uh, came. Um, I mentioned Ryan Walters. He is uh, the superintendent of Oklahoma schools. Some of you saw him, I'm sure, on Glenn Beck's show this morning. Uh, he is on that list. It's a pretty long list of people. Man, if that person had not been there, if that person had not been there, if this person had not done this, if that person had not done that, this never gets done. This never gets made. Uh, and he's absolutely uh, one of those people. Um, man, I'm going to... I'm going to miss some other names of people that uh, I definitely wanted to call out. Our, our colleagues here at The Blaze, I mean, Sarah Gonzalez, uh, Ali Stuckey, uh, of course, Glenn came, uh, but uh, he's in the movie, so he kind of had to, but I think he would have came anyway. But um, uh, they were very kind. Uh, Alex Stein came. Uh, Robino, our good friend, which reminds me, guys, we could get Rob on more overtimes. Um a lot of the support staff here uh, at the Blaze came, had a chance to talk to a, a good deal of them. Um, uh, our uh, Mucky Mucks, uh, Gaston uh, Mooney and, and Tyler Carden uh, were both here uh, last night at the premiere as well. It, it's just, I mean, I, there was w like 500 people. It's hard to remember everybody. Um, I had to remember, remind myself to go over and talk to my mom. <laughs> All right, that's that's how packed this was yet last night. It was just... Uh, uh, an absolutely incredible experience. And I just, uh, so many kind words from uh, a lot of people I respect, people I, I you know, I want to earn the respect of. Um, and that feedback is the most precious of them all. And so help me in, to remember that gentleman on April the 14th when the movie comes out so I don't go miserable over every box, box office report because um, 
last night was a was a triumph uh and uh it uh it was just professionally the greatest night i've ever had in 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 my professional career and uh made all of this worth it and the best part is i got to share it with um all the people i care about the most um my family were here um all the kids were here uh my mother-in-law and mom were both here and uh Amy surprised me, uh, got a limo ride for us to the premiere. I was just going to order an Uber. <laughs> she got a limo. And uh, um, it was, uh, it just, it's been an incredible last 36, 48 hours down here. And uh, for those of you that have have endured my incessant discussion of this film over the last several years, I bring you glad tidings of great joy to paraphrase Aaron earlier. We're almost done. Yeah, you won't have to hear about this maybe for much longer, but uh, thank you for tolerating it. Um, all the well wishes. So many of you have sent notes, and I know how anxious you are to see it. Uh, I, I got some numbers from some theater chains yesterday from our team uh, in pre-sales. Like, we're out selling The Pope's Exorcist 2 to 1, Mafia Mama, like 16 to 1. I mean, we're blowing these movies out of the water in pre-sales. Now, I don't know what that means for box office, you know, in a campaign early voting can be a blessing or a curse because you're not sure until election day am i just cannibalizing the votes i was going to get on election day anyway or am i expanding my base but at least you know that your votes are in at least we now know and have shown the theaters hey our people are showing up they're coming find out how many there are but they are absolutely coming to support this film and the best part about it for me is i know what you don't know yet it is worth your support. It is. It will. It will reward the faith you will put in it. It will. It will do what you have wanted one of our movies to do. What you wanted this movie to do. It will go where you want it to go. It will push and prod where you've wanted it prodded and pushed. It will do that, and it will. It will. It will provoke the questions that this culture is struggling with to the right answers. It will go where you want it to go. It will not be packaged the way that maybe some of you are comfortable with, but it will be the conversation that this culture desperately needs to have. It's a hell of a film. It's not just a great worldview. It's not just a great morality play. It's a hell of a film. And I think that's what makes the morality play and everything else associated with even more impactful is the craftsmanship itself. So I'm very proud of it. The experience has been incredible. And uh, thank you to everybody that uh, has been on this journey with me and, and made this journey possible. That's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible, Steve. And um, having listened to the last couple of days of interviews between Sean and Jordan and then today, Carrie and and Chuck, I'm almost looking forward as much to the movie coming out on Blu-ray as I am the documentary or the making of or behind the scenes featurettes that are going to be in there because it's been uh, a fun experience or fun uh, uh, just listening time uh, to, to those aforementioned figures. And I just think for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, hearing some of those accounts from Chuck and Carrie especially, and and uh, don't want to take away from anything that uh, Sean and Jordan, because their experiences uh, were, were incredible too. For those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, as is so many times the case in our personal testimonies, the hand of God moving is unmistakable. It's just usually in hindsight. And that's kind of the big takeaway that I had from from listening to them talk. I mean, I just remarked to Todd while while that conversation was going on. What's been the main thing? The main thing even beyond COVID lockdowns 
even beyond the the um, the, the, the the denial of treatment that we talk about. What's been the main hanger on of COVID? It is the jab hysteria, and yet, and yet, despite that jab hysteria, if it had not been for that, would you guys have had the editor that you had? Maybe some other no, way God would have moved. Not at all. Maybe some other way yeah. God would have moved. But if not for that, this movie would not be as good as it is. Let's just be honest about that. At least from the eyes that I have, or at least the, 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 the you know, my understanding of things. That's just one example. And I appreciated your remark in the middle of that conversation with Chuck and, Ch- and Carrie. It was something that I was trying to communicate yesterday, but I think you put a po- finer point on. We often put spiritual warfare in a box of the demonic yet so many times in this film and the making of the things that you've made todd and i privy to the audience privy to god opens doors he opens doors he finds a way he keeps he mm-hmm. keeps putting things in there like dominoes falling that we could have never imagined in a million years in our feeble mindedness as fallen sinners he keeps putting things in there that, in hindsight, it is unmistakable. That's an example of the other side of the spiritual battle, which is mm-hmm. undefeated and will be undefeated in history. We just have to recognize that. And I appreciated your comment to, uh, to that effect. Uh, Chuck Thank and, you, brother. Ch- uh, Chuck and Carrie's... Uh, are, you, are, are you lathered up? Are you, are you lathered up after that now, Todd? Have you been able to come down? Oh, After that, listening to that, so that, that conversation. It, it's amazing. And I do want to talk about the exorcists um, to, to come to a point that I've made long ago. Why, why, did, why did Steve and Chuck and Carrie and even the actors, if we had more time to ask them and ask, why uh, did it? What's the truth behind this? Why did this turn out the way that it did? Listen, bringing exorcists to the set has everything to do with it to me. Not just for the protection they offered, but it's a sign of what you understand, really, at the end of the day, your faith is about. You ask modern-day Catholics about exorcists, and most of them will tell you, oh, you know, times are different, we've moved on, you're going to get a taste of that in the movie. Just wait. Uh, and and this is why, as a father raising my children, as soon as my daughters, who weren't just the adorable little ones, getting laid into elementary school, only one of them made it into middle school without watching uh, The Passion of the Christ. Because once I saw sin entering into their uh, minds and hearts and souls in a, in, in a way that it starts to when they get a little older and they start to ask questions and maybe get a little bit more cynical and mom and dad aren't uh, trusted on everything automatically. I wanted them to see mm-hmm. what evil looks like, what it does to you, but what good does in response and guarantees the win. Bringing exorcists are why not only this movie is possible, but why unplanned is possible. Why God's not dead is not possible. They're not playing reindeer games. All right. As I've told you before, and this is my point, they made these movies because they understand that this is not a PG faith. This is a rated R 
faith. And going forward, Steve talked about this being an end, but I believe, and I've been saying this for a while, that no, I believe this is a beginning. This is where revival starts. It changes our sense of who we are when we go to church and kneel before God. And then what we do, because people who do shows like ours and businesses like ours and the right, whatever that is for a long time, they just don't understand what real evil is. I think if heck once the exorcist is sixth grade, seventh grade pick that year, kids start getting cynical and asking questions. And then we soft soap it all the more. And we start pulling our punches and just please stay. That's the time we should say this whole year, you're spending your time with an exorcist. That'll bring you to Jesus right quick. We got to ask ourselves on the right, whatever that is in business and politics, politicians, that brave hard line. Well, we didn't get dressed up for nothing. What are we doing here? Because Chuck and Carrie mm-hmm. and Steve knew what they were doing making this selling movie. T-shirts, There's, selling yeah, see none of that t-shirts. crap. There's real evil. Get busy living or get busy dying. This isn't just an end. This is a beginning. Hmm. Um, I should mention. I mean, that's. I mean, that's. That'll preach, brother, right there. I mean, that that'll preach right there. I, I should mention. Uh, I because I, I'm going to forget people, so forgive me in advance. Our buddy Tim Young uh, came to the premiere last night. Uh, him and his wife Alex. They had, uh, who's I mean, we had a chance to uh, hang out with them. Amy and I did uh, in Phoenix uh, at America Fest. Got to know them really well, and uh, I loved I loved what Tim said about the movie. He had not he I offered him screeners multiple times. He's like, nope, I want to see it at the premiere for the first time in a theater, and. Uh, he goes, I'm, I, this is about the best compliment I could possibly give, man. It's a real movie. I mean, it's a, it's a real movie, you know? I mean, it's like the, it's the best religious movie maybe other than The Passion I've ever seen. I mean, it's a, it's a real movie. And for you guys, you know why that means a lot to me. Because in many respects, this movie is kind of like our show, right? I mean, is it a conservative show? Is it a Christian show? I don't know. Is it a good show? Is it a good if it's good, listen. If it's not, then don't, you know? Is it a horror movie? Is it a psychological thriller? Is it a Christian movie? Is it a faith-based movie? I don't know. Is it a good movie? You know, and from the beginning of this show, I've just rejected that premise. My, my premise has been, I'm just going to do the best and most entertaining. I love Rush. None of us would be here without him. But this is maybe a bit of a generational difference. Uh, I, I'm fine being described. I'm fine with being labeled an entertainer. He was not. But I can see why. I mean, he was trying to break a mold and shatter a glass ceiling, and he re- he viewed it as reductionism. And I, he's right. They were trying to reduce the potency of his intellectual capacity and and just essentially put a court jester hat on him. So I understand completely why he pushed back. But in our, but in my case, thanks frankly to the ground laid by people like him, I now to go come full circle. Don't mind being an entertainer because if it's not good, it doesn't matter what I have to say. If it's not good. I'm, I'm an entertainer. That is what I am. I do infotainment. I try to do it prophetically. You know, small p. I don't have a specific anointing or title. Okay. Uh, small p, just telling God's truth. That's the, you know, traditional term, defi- biblical definition of term, uh, prophetic. Um, unless you're talking about an anointed office of a specific prophet. Um, but I'm, I'm, I want it to be good. And if it's good... Then you're if you're more inclined to listen to the worldview behind it than you are if then if you're not then you aren't if it's not 
same thing with our movie. We we didn't sit down and say, let's get this issue in there. Let's make sure we interject that in there. It really was, how do we make the best movie we, we can possibly make? And then there was no way it wasn't going to feature our worldview because that's we're all bringing the same worldview or variations of the same worldview to the table. So, of course, that was going to get highlighted. But first and foremost was, did we make a good movie? And uh, for Tim to pull me aside last night and to say, dude, that's just a really good movie. It's, it's a real movie. That, that's one of the best compliments we've been given, I think, yet. Because it shows we just told a good story. It just so happens to be based upon the greatest story ever told. And I think that's a lesson for us now that we're more pilgrims than patriots moving forward. A lot of us are going to be, are going to, are going to learn for the first time in, in modern American history now what it means to be a stranger in a strange land. Pre-pilgrims at Plymouth Rock, people who identified as Christians or Jews, frankly, were kind of used to being in the intellectual ghettos, cultural ghettos of civilizations, being kind of the, yeah, who are those guys? You know, the insurgents. There's not a lot of examples. People who were either Jewish or Christian in that they were adherents to the book, or people of the book, as the Muslims would say, had hegemony in a culture, dominance in a culture, the, the default setting benefit of the doubt setting in a culture. We're losing that now. We are fully heading into a post-Christian era and we're going to learn what that's like again. It's just for us, we're going to learn it for the first time. And one, we can learn lessons, small t tradition here from the evangelical. We can learn lessons from our forefathers. One thing they did was excellence. They did their jobs excellently. They served excellently so that when they were condemned, everyone knew why. It wasn't on a technicality. It was because they failed to bow the knee to the spirit of the age. And that would be our encouragement to you. Whatever you're in, whatever pursuit God has you in, do it excellently to the best of your God-given ability for his glory. Thank you all for tuning in. Buy, sell, or hold is coming your way in the overtime for subscribers. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow. I'll be back in Des Moines then. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.